Hey guys, it's Katie and Mandy. Welcome to the Dirty Britches Minisode. Welcome back, everybody, or welcome to the Our Dirty Laundry Podcast. It's Mandy. It's Katie. This is where we talk about the history of white women's complicity and white supremacy. And where I'm at mentally today, I was about to just wave at everyone into a podcast. You can't see me waving. That's where it's Monday morning or Monday afternoon when we're recording this. And we, my son got sent home today from daycare with a temperature because he's teething and has a cold, but they're being extra cautious, which is great. And I'm grateful for that. Um, but it means both of our kids had to come home and we have to get a doctor's note saying they have a negative COVID test before they can go back. It's just one of those things where, you know, best laid plans for the day. I keep saying to my husband, like, we're so lucky. They're not actually sick. We have like a pretty decent plan B to kick into gear. We're lucky to have daycare at all in the first place, but it's just like, oh God, it's just running. Throws a wrench. It throws a wrench in there. And this is Um, how dedicated we are to our listeners is yet (laughs) uh, through it all. Here I am recording a 10 minute mini-sode. Yes, this is going to be a mini-sode, and maybe for real this one time, <laughs> it will be mini because Katie's got to go. I so. legit got to go. Well, and I think what's great about this is like, we really don't know much about what we're about to share. We just read an article. I know I've read, this is about Jane Austen, I should just say straight okay. up front. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mandy sent me this really fascinating opinion piece that has to do with the Jane Austen Museum. And so we were reading a little bit about it and figuring out. And I asked, I said to Mandy, I asked her, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've seen movies, Jane Austen, not Jane Austen movies, <laughs> like she didn't produce them. I know enough to know <laughs> she's dead. But like Emma or Clueless is like a remake of Emma, right? And then... Yeah. There's one sensibility, pride and prejudice, Fanny, something Fanny price or Mm -hmm. something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Like there's some real Jane Austen groupies out there. And I'm sure there's some in our listeners. Some real Austen heads. Just, (laughs) I know people love, love, love her. I said to Katie, when she said, I don't know much about her. I said me either, because I hate that kind of literature and I've never read any of it. (laughs) Why do you hate it? What's up? I don't like that old, like Englishy, like sitting around a parlor, sipping tea and pining over. And where they're like, their fingers brush and you have an orgasm because it's like the sexual tension. Um, I hate it. Plus, I also <laughs> feel like things like Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility are like those typical books that you're supposed to read in some high school English class or mm-hmm. like freshman English required whatever. And I mean, I feel like I picked where I went to undergrad at Grinnell College precisely because they had no general requirements. And that meant that I never had to take one effing English class ever. (laughs) That was my goal for going to college. I do not want to take an English class ever, ever, ever. Because picking apart literature and trying to like determine what people meant by certain passages and interpreting it, I would rather stick hot pokers (laughs) in my eyeball. No, I'm not doing it. (laughs) So I love that we've set that up. So anyway, we're going to talk to you about one of the world's most famous female authors that I hate that no. <laughs> Mandy's never read. I and her. I think I've seen a movie based on one of her books. That's, that's yeah, our level guys. of expertise here. Um, <laughs> great. Yes. Well, I, but it's pertinent. Did... It said the article is such a pertinent 
topic. Oh, it was perfect. So, and the quote was amazing. And I, yeah, I was, I was really excited even just to like alert people to this woman's editorial because it was really interesting. And I do think that one of the reasons, I don't know, maybe one of the reasons you don't like it is they are just like very white books, like mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. pasty. Like there's yeah. just, you know, and I, I know what's that show that's on Netflix now that everyone's raving about. Cause there's just like hot. Oh, sex. Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Yuck. No, nope, I haven't seen an episode either. <laughs> nope. I think they've it. just been like, yeah, this we're mixing it up in terms of like casting actors from all sorts of different racial and ethnic backgrounds. And I don't, I haven't watched enough of it. I, I'm not going to lie. I watched the library scene because mm. it's, it's like the equivalent of you get a romance novel and it like immediately falls open to the most graphic sex scene <laughs> in the whole thing. Oh my God. Okay. Before we get to this, can I tell you a story about romance novels? Because yeah, yeah. the woman who wrote this editorial, her name is Vanessa Riley. Okay. And she is the author of a whole bunch of historical fiction books and historical romance, which I'm not mm-hmm. like, I'm a history nerd. I'm here for a little history romance. That sounds good to me. <laughs> um, she's also a woman of color. She has like a, you know, multi-ethnic background. She identifies, um, I I think as like Irish and Trinidadian. I'm trying to remember. I'll I'll look back at her website. Um, but it made it threw me back. This is truly the most embarrassing moment of my life. So, do you want to hear <laughs> it? And then we can talk about this other. I don't know it already. I'm no. I'm pretty sure it. you do not know this story. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this either. But confessions here. So I don't read romance novels. Like I, mm-hmm. every once in a while, there's like one, you know, at like a rental property or something that you go on vacation and it's like in yeah. the library of the hotel or whatever. Um, so I, so I went on a road trip with a couple of girlfriends like 10 years ago now, and we were driving like, you know, 18 hours straight and we stopped at a gas station and we bought a bunch of the gas station romance novels. So these are Mm -hmm. like gas station books, right? Yes. (laughs) So very high up in the literary canon. So I sat in the back and then I used to do theater in high school and I've got a (laughs) repertoire of character voices. And so I like acted out the books to entertain my friends as they took turns driving across country. (laughs) And I got really into it. And we were laughing so hard because we were all in grad school together. And for the life of us could not keep track of these plots. Like there's always mistaken identity. Always. There's Mm -hmm. always a virgin woman and a like roguish man and then they're, they always have like one sexual encounter that's not full P and V, but it's like, <laughs> you know, close call. And then they have like sex for the first time. And it's of course like blowing his mind off how amazing yeah. she is. And it's like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's all of this is so realistic. But the other consistent theme in the books was in this like initial, we almost have sex encounter. Multiple books had some kind of moment where there was like, like a, a droplet. Uh, hmm. I like, like something is happening to him and then like Uh a droplet happens. And we were all like, we're grown women who've had encounters with people. And is anyone familiar with this droplet phenomenon? Like, what is this? <laughs> like laughing so hard, like could not. And then it would show up in like the next book I read, like there it is again. Like, what is this? So for when I graduated, 
one of these friends that was on the road trip gifted me like a trashy gas station romance novel. And so I was taking a break from moving and I just sat on my porch and like read the book while I ate lunch. And then I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard because lo and behold, here is like a super graphic sexual passage where they almost have sex and there's a bead (laughs) akin to the droplet that like Mm -hmm. comes out of you know where okay so i'm like (laughs) dying laughing so hard so i have just accepted my first job as a professor at george mason university and the only thing i have done thus far is interviewed grad students to be my research assistants Mm -hmm. that's all i've done and i interviewed some people and i had just emailed saying like oh you were awesome i'm so glad we met but i'm not going to hire you to the people Mm -hmm. i didn't hire including a woman named paula who ends up having the same name as my friend, Paula, who gave me the book. So I get on email, type in to the email, Paula and Lauren, my friends I was on the road trip with, and then I transcribe this passage that is incredibly graphic sexual content (laughs) and then sign off like, yeah, and she's a virgin. Ha ha. Like, love, Katie. It goes to realize the the second that I hit send that it's going to the grad student who I just previously, like an hour before, told her I was not hiring her. And now I'm sending her like pornographic emails. (laughs) I could have died right there in my living room. And so I immediately call her and leave this like super nervous voicemail like, hey, Paula, it's me, Dr. Swalwell. Um, So I just sent you an email. Please do not open it. And then, of course, I email like, do not open previous email. Like, I'm just She's going to open it. She's going to open it. Who in their right mind wouldn't open that email? And then I have to tell my friend Lauren, do not reply all. Do not reply all. Like, abort, abort. So thank God the second Paula ends up being, like, super understanding and thinks it's hilarious and, like, she's a lovely person and we were fine. But I was like, oh, my God. And I panicked. I'm like, I am going to get fired from my first job as a professor before I even start for, like, sexually harassing a grad student. (laughs) Great. So that's my romance novel oh, story. And job. now we have four minutes to talk about what we we're actually going to talk about. But Okay. Yes. So Jane Austen wrote these books that everyone loves except for me. But she, <laughs> there's apparently her house somewhere in England is a museum now for her that people go and visit. Yes. Um, and it, the premise of the article is that they apparently announced that they were going to update some of the exhibits to kind of acknowledge colonialism, slavery, all of that kind of stuff that influenced her life. And can you imagine what happened when they made this announcement? I'm going to guess some people were not too happy. The the white ladies lost their (laughs) shit, probably. (laughs) They just went crazy, apparently. The Daily Mail had a headline. There was all sorts of Twitter madness. People just pissed off that the woke police had arrived at the Jane Austen House Museum. Well, just so that we're very clear, like, again, we just did some Googling to back up what we learned from this article, but it looks like Austen's family was connected to the slave trade through the Caribbean. Like, her uncle ha- like owned or managed a plantation in Antigua, yes. which was like a huge port for the British slave trade. And so there was some involvement on that end, but then also her brother was like a ship captain who was part of intercepting the, because illegal. after 1807, it was made illegal in the UK to, it, to like kidnap and capture people. And so he was part of kind of the 
monitoring of that. Like he could stop British ships at least. Um, yeah. That were illegally transporting people. Um, so I, I was interested, like, oh, now I want to know more about what her connections actually were. But then I was falling down rabbit holes of reading about slavery in Antigua, which I did not know much about. Mm-hmm. So now I'm down some rabbit holes. Okay, so the panic, panic at the Jane Austen Museum. Yeah, people freaking out because they don't think, why does this have to be a part of everything? Why do you have to ruin our nice white lady novels by introducing these ideas? But they say, like, Jane Austen herself was apparently not, like, totally silent on this subject. Her books touched on the subject matter. There's letters to her brother where they talk about it. She was kind of, the author says, abolitionist-minded, Um And so this is just basically the people that run that museum updating because they also said they get a lot of questions from people who come through there, which they ask them about. Those are good questions. Well, I dare you to find a wealthy family in England that doesn't have ties to the slave trade. That's how entrenched it was. So it didn't matter. You didn't need to like own humans yourself in Antigua that there were that it was it was producing so much money it had so many like offshoot um industries that Mm -hmm. there was really no way for wealthy British people like you had to very actively not want to be involved with it so it seems like it's when I was thinking about it when you sent it to me I was like oh my god suddenly I think of all of these Jane Austen-ish type novels you know where they're wearing those like dresses that look like you have no boobs and then drapey whatever like that period Mm-hmm. It's like as if all of these romances were set in like Nazi Germany, but you never talked about the Holocaust and you were just right. like Fraulein, whoever, and she's, will this man love her? Like, mm-hmm. we would think that's really freaking weird that there would yeah. just be this whole genre that never, ever, ever touched on why these families were wealthy in the first place or like what those connections were. So I don't know. Yeah. So the museum is like, we're trying to do right by these histories and we're trying to answer our guests' questions. Yeah. But and then can we, freak out. I, I really do want to shout out this op-ed because I thought it was so good. It was in the Washington Post um, and it's titled a Jane Austen Museum Addressing Regency Era Slavery, How Sensible by Vanessa Riley, who is this author. Um, she wrote an Earl, the girl and a toddler. And then I think another book is like the Duke, the lady and the baby. So maybe there's a theme mm. there. I don't really know. <laughs> Man, woman, child. Um, But I loved this quote that you caught from me and put onto our text chain. Um, Mm -hmm. Can I read it? Do you mind? Because I just thought this was so great. Um, Should people fear the end of the world when attempts are made to correct the record? What harm does it do to you personally to acknowledge the sins of the past, the ones that allowed the few to prosper and burdened the many in the yoke of bondage for a cup of sugar, a bale of cotton, a bag of coffee? History lovers like myself will do the painstaking research to add context and restore marginalized voices to the settings they helped build and whose blood, sweat, and tears scream that they belong. The Austin Museum has decided to do the same. Uh, Its curators have chosen not to sit back at the dinner table and quietly enjoy their food as Fanny's relations did in Mansfield Park. They dared to acknowledge the truth. This should be applauded, not censured. The museum's actions will keep Austin's works relevant for the future. In the end, isn't that what we all want? I think she means we like Austin heads. Yeah, right. Because Mandy doesn't care what happens to this museum. <laughs> but you, I think you're excited that the museum is like trying to do this. Whether no, you'll yeah, ever but I care. No, never. But I care about. <laughs> but I care about history, you know, and telling 
the full story. And that I, it's the whole thing we've been discussing with the pushback for teaching um, any of these concepts in schools and the backlash against the 1619 project. It's like, what, what is the personal stake that these people feel they have in it that they're so anti learning a broader history? Like, you can't argue that it didn't happen. So why do you care? Why is it so horrible to bring it in? It's like ruining their good time. It's like bringing down the party to talk about slavery. I think, I mean, I think that that's just what it is. It's like the equivalent of Debbie Downer from SNL, like playing her sad trombone, reminding them that this is where the wealth came from and they would just rather not think about it. And I, it circles back to Stephanie Jones Rogers quote about how these white women wanted like a new dress. And so they're willing to sell someone away from their family to throw a party. And I think they're just, Wants a fun trip to England where they get to go through the Jane Austen house. We don't want to think about how slavery had anything to do with that. Same with these plantation tours, which I know we're going to get into. Like, yeah, I don't want to think about it. I want to look at a pretty house. Stop making me sad. Um, Well, I am so glad we got to catch up and just talk about this a little bit. Sorry I, like, told everybody my deepest, darkest secrets, but... There you go. <laughs> We're all all into the romance novels now. Um, all right. Well, we'll see you at uh, the end of the week for a next okay. regular episode. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Bye. Okay, bye.